This is Live On Purpose Radio, episode 554, Unremarkable to Extraordinary, with Jeremy Slate. Now is the only time to create and live the life you love. I'm Dr. Paul Jenkins, the positivity psychologist. My job is to connect you to powerful positive psychology principles that immediately upgrade your relationships, business, and mental health. Are you ready? Let's jump in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live On Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live On Purpose Radio. Joining me today is Jeremy Slate, a fellow podcaster. This guy is serious about it, and he has interviewed some really cool people and learned some really cool things in the process. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. Paul, I'm, I'm stoked to be here, man. You're on the other side of the mic this time. I do it more frequently than you, frequently than you think, but I, I've been on a mic a lot, man. You know, that's one thing that I love about the podcast community, because we get together and support and edify each other in the process. There's yeah. so many cool things going on in this world. And when when we can tune in to normal people, right? Just They're just people who are doing extraordinary things. Uh, the title of your book is Unremarkable to Extraordinary. And we've picked that as the title for this episode today, too, because you have seen this exemplified in many of the people that you featured on your show. Um, I've had a kind of a, a similar path to that as I've had the amazing opportunity to interview hundreds of people. Well, this is episode 554. Yeah. For me. So we've put out a few episodes over the years. But Jeremy, talk a little bit about why you're so passionate about this particular message and maybe some of what your journey has been there as you've as you've gotten into the podcast and written the book. You, you know, it's it's interesting because I feel like a lot of us are kind of like we're sold this lie. You know, and that's like, you know, go to go to a good high school, go to a good college, you know, get get a master's degree or get a PhD or whatever it may be. And you're going to, you know, find this incredible world ahead of you. And I think mm -hmm. in actuality, what I've learned and a lot of people I've talked to have learned, like that isn't actually the key. And I think that's just really interesting for me. I have a, a master's degree in early Roman Empire propaganda, something I don't actually like use, but it was fun doing it. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> so I think for a lot of us, like we're we're kind of sold this lie of what's going to create life for us. And I was no different. I, I taught high school for a few years. And in, in 2012, my mom ended up having a really bad stroke. And it made me look at a lot of the different things that that I was doing in my life and realizing, like, do I want to do this? Mm -hmm. And I tried so many things, Paul. I tried network marketing. I tried life insurance sales. I tried online marketing. I tried personal training. I did just about everything you could think. And then I just literally started this podcast as a hobby in 2015. And it absolutely took off. We had 10,000 listens in our first month. And for me, it really kind of changed things. And that's very similar to what I've seen with a lot of people I've spoken to is they've tried a lot of things. They've done some things that work. They've done some things that didn't work. And I think that's one of the major things we struggle with is society tells us that failure is bad. It tells us that mm -hmm. failure is final. And that's not the case. You have to fail enough times till you eventually win. And hopefully, hopefully you learn something from those failures and create a future for yourself. But I think very often... We're looking at, you know, what does my family want for me? What do my friends want for me? What does society want for me? And I can't fail. 
And because of that, mm. we're, we're not willing to take the risks to really create some amazing things. I think there's a, a compensation that happens sometimes too, because you're talking about, you know, this traditional, maybe old school mm-hmm. approach of go to school, get a good job with benefits and work for retirement. Right? Yes. And, and the, the overcompensation for that sometimes is follow your passion, live your truth, live your dream, right? Which I, I called it an overcorrection because a lot of the people that I'm interviewing, and maybe you're finding the same thing, are, are discovering that there's more to it than that. Yes. And in fact, you point this out in your book uh, that you know, follow your passion may be something that's that's not quite the answer to, you know, giving up some of the the traditions of the past. What have you learned yeah. about that? So I think there's the distinction between following your passion and finding it, right? Like I think following your passion implies that you're you're chasing something, you're going after something, you're going to try and eventually get it. Mm. And in that, I think you're never really going to be happy, right? Because you're always going after something. To me, the actual way it should be put together is finding your passion. Um, mm. There is an incredible book by Cal Newport called So Good They Can't Ignore You. And the title actually comes from Steve Martin's autobiography when they said, you know, Steve, how did you get to be such an incredible actor? And he goes, I was just so good they couldn't ignore me. And that's what it really <laughs> comes down to is you find something, you know, you're really, really good at and you improve at that skill and get better at that skill and get better at that skill. And when skill set, um, kind of gets to the point where it becomes effortless, you'll find you get pretty passionate about some things that you didn't think you actually cared about. And the thing mm. the thing is, when you get kind of in that that sphere or in that realm, you're going to find a way to do something with that, make money with that, or build a business off of that. But I think for a lot of people, you know, they're like, I'm super passionate about crocheting. And it's like, okay, good, good luck building a business off that unless you can figure out how to package it and put it on Etsy. So like, mm-hmm. I think for for a lot of people, you can't just expect that your passion is going to pay you but it's this lie we're sold. And frankly, I think, Paul, internet marketing has made this so much worse. Mm. An ad where, you know, in this 60 second video, I'm going to show you how to never work again and make a whole bunch of money. But it's like, that's what people fall for. That's that's what they actually fall for when actually there's so much work involved. There's so much discovery involved. But most people aren't willing to put that in. The, I think the sweet spot is where you you, you do what you love for those who love what you do. And that in, that implies an exchange of value. Yes. So it's not just that consumer mindset of, I'm just going to go do what I love to do. Well, because it's all about me. Yes. <laughs> right? As opposed to doing what you love for those who love what you do, and they never want you to stop doing that. Well, it's it's saying that like I, I think here's the struggle too is like I, I think that we've kind of gone more into this me 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 society, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which you know it's important to take care of yourself. It's important to be happy in your life, but at the same time, you have to realize that there's other groups you're a member, member of. Like there's greater society you're a member of. There's your family you're a member of. There's your friends group you're a member of, and you have to look at like what is my success or what is I'm creating? What does it do for those other groups? But I think far too often people mm-hmm. are looking at well. I'm not happy right now, or this isn't satisfying me, or this isn't fulfilling me. And you're not looking at, well, how is this interacting with all the other parts of my life? Mm-hmm. Right. It, it, you said something just a few minutes ago that kind of stuck in my head that, you know, there's this allure, especially with the internet, the way it is, social media, 
that there's an instant sharing of information and people are like, oh, well, you can do this and, and get tons of money and you won't even yes. have to work for it. And as if money is what we're after. And they don't really realize that money is a strategic byproduct of, of what actually creates it in the first place. And that's that's generating and creating value for other people. Well, they did a. Uh, there was a survey that was done of Gen Z, um, and I, I would love to. I'm gonna have to look this up later because I, I don't remember who exactly had done this, but they found that the number one career that Gen Z wants is to be an influencer, and that's really interesting to me because to me, yeah. I think influence is actually earned, right? Influence is earned by what you've done and what you create and what you produce and who you've helped and the value you've created. But I think they want to put the cart before the horse. And kind of gain influence before they have all these other things that would denote someone as an influencer. Do you get, do you get what I'm saying? Like it comes back to what you said about value. Like what end value are you creating, and how are you helping people? Because money, success, yeah. notoriety, these are all products of what you're creating, of the value exchange you're creating out there in the world. I think I know exactly what you're referring to. In fact, I ran into this uh, on one of my social media feeds this week. This young person who was promoting himself as a leadership speaker because leadership speakers get paid well and they have all kinds of prestige and they get to be on the stage and on the mic. He has never held a leadership position anywhere. Yikes. (laughs) And I'm like, wait a minute, you know, because he can go read the leadership books just like you or I or anybody else can. But to be an influencer, to have you earn your way. My, so we were, I, we were at an event once that I was speaking at and my wife happened to interact with one of the attendees there it was this, this younger guy. And she goes, oh, so what do you do for a living? And he goes, oh, I'm a relationship coach. And she goes, how old are you? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm 19. And she goes, how many relationships have you been in? Like, I think that like mm-hmm. there's we've forgotten the value of life experience. Life experience has so much value. I used to have this um, great uncle, right? And um, I think everybody's got somebody like this in their life. And this guy would sit and he would tell you these stories about all these incredible things he'd done in his life and the lessons from them. And I think we've we've not taken value away from things like that anymore. We've, we've gotten rid of the value of experience. And there's so much in gaining from somebody else's experience, like real lived experience. You know, I think as we're having this conversation, Jeremy, I'm realizing part of where that might come from. And I teach this in my coaching all the time. Principles determine all of life's outcomes. It's not magic. It's not luck, right? And Mm -hmm. with with the privilege that you and I have both had of getting to know or interview or talk to so many people through our podcasting experience, these principles come to the surface. It's like, it's not magic. It's not luck. Mm-hmm. There are principles and you can identify what those principles are. And so even a young person without experience can identify the principles. Yes. But what's missing, as you're pointing out here, there's a richness to how we actually apply those principles in real life. So, And that's where the life experience comes in. Anybody yes. can talk about the principles and they don't change from, mm-hmm. I mean, they're consistent. It's like gravity. You never yes. get up and wonder, huh? Oh, wonder if gravity's on. <laughs> it is, uh, but how that's applied—that's where the richness of that life experience really comes in. Well, and that's where the value of somebody like you know uh, Henry David Thoreau or Ralph Waldo Emerson or somebody like that comes from, right? Like, yes, these guys have written some amazing things, right? They've written some really amazing mm-hmm. things, 
but they've lived an amazing life, right? Like even somebody like Mark Twain. And I think there's, there's, we've, we've lost that as a society now because lived experience for some reason does not seem to have the same value to people. And I think actually it has more value than it's ever had before because there's so much less of it. So I don't know if I even want to open this can of worms, but <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering if, if Jeremy Slate has, ta- has thought about this one, AI, okay. artificial intelligence. In I think fact, there's was, good and there's bad in it. I think there's good and there's bad in it, but continue. Absolutely. Well, and just to kind of cue it up. Yeah. Um, I think part of what I'm gleaning from our conversation so far is that there's some level of of responsibility that I think we all have yes, to, to own uh, what we're selling. <laughs> um, yes. Artificial intelligence. So I was, I was talking with, uh, actually, I was doing a training with one of my corporate clients yesterday, and the CEO was sharing a story of a group of attorneys who had filed a brief with the court with case law that they had had generated through AI. Oh no, it was and probably wrong. <laughs> it was totally fabricated. Oh, AI no. AI created case law precedents for this particular case that looked legitimate, but it was totally fabricated. Because AI was simply drawing on, okay, here's what it would look like, and you need to put in these elements or whatever. I don't know how AI works. But they had submitted this whole brief to the court, assuming that it was true and correct, that it was factual. It it was actually fabricated. And this was discovered later on as one of the clerks was doing a little bit more research on what they had submitted. So I, I think that AI and is at least at least where it is right now, right? Like I think it's going to be changing and the next te- like we've seen technology yeah. speed up so much in the last 50 years. I think with AI in the next 10 years, you're going to see some big changes. But I think you're never going to fully replace what it means to be human. And I think a lot of people would disagree with me on that. But I say that because um, like we use AI in certain areas in our business, like optimizing YouTube videos and, um, mm-hmm. you know, taking headlines and making them more interesting. Like, I think there's areas where we can use that because it can take Absolutely. data, collate that data and make something more valuable. But I, I try, I did a test run one time, like, let's try and use it to make a podcast episode outline and see what happens. And I was doing some news coverage of that train accident that happened out in Ohio. So mm-hmm. I asked it to to write me a podcast episode based on the train accident. So it wrote me a story of a train accident in the turn of the century around 1902 that didn't actually happen. And mm-hmm. I think that's we have to we we can't be lazy with it, right? We have to figure out how can we take this to strengthen things that human beings are already doing and make it more effective. I also think that the danger of it as well is I know Google is starting to put it um, into into their Gmail software to be able to allow people to use it for like generating emails. I'm concerned of people losing more literacy than we've already lost, right? Like you look at what text messaging has done to people's ability to write. Like, I think we're really in danger in a lot of ways of losing literacy because we've become lazy. So you nailed it just a moment ago when you said that it's not going to replace humans. There's a human element. For Pete's sake, who created AI? Humans, right? We're Mm -hmm. the creator of it, not the other way around. And I think if we get confused about that and we start to uh, defer our human morality and judgment and yes. experience to to anything, uh, 
then we've gone astray a bit. So yeah, because I think that sends us into some dangerous waters as well, even from a from a moral perspective, right? Like, you know, yeah. it, it's it's going to start looking at well, do we sacrifice an individual for a group and stuff like that, and that puts you in some really dangerous waters. You know what I mean? Of of what we're doing ethically. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll jump on the wagon with you. Well, I, I think to think to to go a hundred percent in is dangerous too. Yes. So I'm I'm curious, and I would I would just love to yeah. see where you go with this. But in the experience that you've had with your podcast and the people that you've talked to, you've written this book called "Unremarkable to Extraordinary," where you've extracted some of what you've learned from that. Give us a couple of highlights of what you've if you had to to hone it down to two or three points that are just so painfully obvious to you now after having all of this experience, what would they be? Well, I want to say one last thing before about AI before we before we jump into that. Um, if my computer okay. if my computer ever says take me to John Connor, I'm going to take every technology piece in my house and throw it in the street. Um, but in terms, <laughs> right in out turn- the window, because <laughs> <laughs> I know Skynet's coming in there, man. Um, but in terms of like you know what I've really learned, and I and you know there's 12 principles in the book that I think really apply to life because they come from lived experience. And in, in this conversation, you've probably seen that that's something that really matters to me. There's so much value in lived experience because. People have pie in the sky ideas and all these other things until they have to go through something and then their ideas change drastically. So the first thing that I think anybody should really be looking at is how to handle adversity. And I think a lot of us, there's two different ways people are going to respond to it. The first um, is they're going to look at it and they're going to say, Oof, that's pretty scary. I'm just going to watch football and drink beer. And that's going to be most of society, frankly. There's going to be a smaller percentage of society. And these are the people that can truly become extraordinary that look at that and they say, that looks pretty scary. We're going to take a step back for a second. I'm going to consider this and then we're going to go through it, right? Like we're going to, we're going to figure out how to, how to deal with this. You know, it could be, you know, losing a job. It could be losing a home, loss of a parent. It could be like an opportunity gone, but those things are much like a blacksmith's furnace, right? Back in the days of when a blacksmith was making a sword or an ax or something like that, he would take that metal, heat it to a high temperature, they'd pour it out and they'd hammer it. And then that metal would become something beautiful at the end. Adversity is the exact same thing. You do not come out the other side the exact same way you went in if you embrace it. It is such an opportunity for growth. It is such an opportunity to create. And it may be the single hardest thing that's ever happened to you in your life that you're probably saying, God, why me? Why has this happened to me? But you have to embrace it. You have to go through it. And you're going to come out better because you did. And I think it's it's hard to tell people that, but I've been through those things in my life, right? Like almost losing a parent. I got last rights at 19 from an knee surgery that didn't go well. So it's like, I've been through those things and they they have made me the person I am today. So there's so much value if you're, if you're willing to go through adversity. So to me, that's the really, really key point. But in, in terms of like other things, I think leadership and how we lead is a big deal as well. I think most people get this wrong. They look at it by, you know, the stars on their chest or the name tag on their chest that says, I'm a leader. And what it actually comes down to is really something that's more out of the art of war. And uh, Sun Tzu wrote this thousands of years ago, and it's just as relevant today as it was when Sun Tzu wrote it. And that is that a leader does not ask other people to do something they would not be willing to do themselves. Because what happens is people respect you, people work harder for you, people will put in longer hours for you because they see you as somebody that is fighting with them. But when you demand that I'm the leader and you must follow me, that does not inspire someone to want to follow you. So those are two really key things. Another giant one, and we, we've hit on this a little bit, 
is taking responsibility for your own level of education. I think our education system needs a really big disruption. Um, you know, it's built on a, a model called the Austro-Hungarian model, which was based on the Austro-Hungarian Empire around the, the uh, American Industrial Revolution, which was built on making factory workers and soldiers. Those are two things we really don't need anymore. We need people that can build businesses, people that can build think, people that can, can innovate. And when I've looked at a lot of the people that, that I've spoken with, they've spent their time on their own education outside of school, reading books, finding people that want the experience they have and becoming you know, an apprentice of theirs or working under them or joining their mastermind or whatever it may be. There's so much value in taking personal responsibility for your own education and then learning the application of that, right? Like I think in school, we just learned the theory minus the application. And that is the giant thing missing. Mm. That that triggers so <laughs> many different thoughts for me. You did I, I kind of nice just, just, just laid it all on you there, there Doc. <laughs> you grabbed it. Well, and I know in your book, you point out these 12 points. In fact, sure. right at the end of the book, there's a chapter where you just summarize those really cleanly. And it's it's easy to get that. In fact, you, folks, as you're listening, Unremarkable to Extraordinary by Jeremy Slate. Go grab it. Uh, you'll get you'll get a really nice capture of how how Jeremy has extracted this human life experience from the people that he's interviewed and had the privilege to connect with. And then you can get all 12 points. But just the three that you mentioned here have got my yeah. head buzzing a little bit. You know, the adversity thing, for example, I have noticed that every inspiring story, every story that inspires me has mm -hmm. adversity in it. It has to. If there's no adversity, if there's no hard stuff, it doesn't have the right to inspire me. And so when we take that into perspective, uh, you know, you said there's basically two things we can do with adversity. We can try to close our eyes and pretend that it's not there, which incidentally doesn't make it go away. <laughs> I will point um, out, too, that Joseph Campbell is it points that out, too, in the idea of the hero's journey. Right. There has to be an overcoming mm -hmm. um, in order to become something. And that's why um, right. th there's there's in when you're looking at movie characters. Um, there's the idea that somebody that starts with everything and it's very hard to believe, right? Like, why does this person have so much power and have all these things that like they didn't go through a hero's journey to get there and it's not realistic? Right. We don't believe it and it doesn't inspire us. Mm -hmm. If there's no struggle, if there's no fight for for what they eventually earn, yes, then it, it has no power to inspire the hearts of, of humans. So that's one of the gifts that I've got from however many years I've been doing podcasting, and it's been a lot yeah. Uh, since 2007. It, it, that, I have found that without exception. And it's interesting to me that that's the first thing that you mentioned, how we deal with adversity. It's not whether we'll deal with adversity, because <laughs> I think, spoiler alert, it's going to happen. Yeah. But it's also different for everyone, right? Like, like you have to think yeah. about like, what you perceive to be adversity and what I perceive to be adversity is very different, right? Like something that may scare the hell out of me may not bother you. And I think that's what's really interesting is adversity. Like there's no, you know, kind of quantity of it, but there is a quality of it, right? Like something we're going right. to go through, something we're going to experience. And that experience word keeps coming up too, because I think that's where life is lived. I'm thinking about the title of your podcast, Create Your Own Life. 
that you've been doing this podcast about how we create our own life. It has to do with the experience that maybe that word is synonymous with life. Well, it's a cause and effect thing. It's an active process. I think that, and, and this is a big theme in the book, a big theme in my podcast, like when you're creating something, it's an active process. You're doing something. Right. You're, you're doing some things pretty. You're doing some things ugly, but you're doing them. Whereas a lot of people want to be effect, right? They want life to happen to them, happen to them, happen to them. And they get to the situation where like, poor me, why me? How did I get here? When really there's a situation in every part of your life where you can be causative. You just have to be choose to be that way. One of the ways that I've shared this in my trainings uh, it goes back to an experience that I had years ago. I'm I'm driving on the freeway. And I don't know if you've ever done this, Jeremy, but you know, when you get lost in your thoughts and you go right past your exit, you just blow right past wherever you're hey, supposed to get up. Hey, that that's better than, ouch, that's a guardrail. <laughs> ah, yes. And that happens occasionally too. Yes. But the, this particular uh, incident, I'm I'm going to see a client that lives in Southern Utah and I I know that I've missed my exit when I see the big colorful sign, Arizona welcomes you. No. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Arizona? This this isn't even the right state. And how often in life are we looking around and we're like, crap, this isn't where I wanted to be. Yeah. Right? And and the the bad news is look down, see whose hands are on that steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Right. But the bad news is also the good news, because if my hands are on the wheel. Now I've got power to do something about it. Whereas if I'm blaming someone or something else for where I am, I don't have the power to steer it. And I don't know if you intended it that way, but like by saying I'm how did I get in, you know, I'm in the wrong state. I think we can also look at that and emotionally and how we react to things. Right. Like, you know, however you emotionally react to something, you're choosing to be in that state. Right. Whether that state is fear, anger antagonism, whatever it may be. So at the same time, like how you choose to react to anything as well um, is is also what's going to create the results you're going to create too. Mm. Juicy stuff, Jeremy, right? I agree, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I sure appreciate your coming on and, and sharing some of your wisdom with us. Tell us uh, how people can connect you, maybe a little bit more about your podcast, your book, whatever you'd like to share about that before we say goodbye today. Well, if they, if they want to get more of what we talked about today, they can grab my book, which is called Unremarkable to Extraordinary. And they're going to learn from, you know, over a thousand conversations I've had with world-class individuals about how they really handle life, because I think there's so much value in lived experience. Um, if they want to connect with me um, at my company site, where we help people to harness the power of podcasting. That's over at commandyourbrand.com. Awesome stuff. Unremarkable to Extraordinary. That's the name of the book. Remember, the title is Jeremy Slate, and the podcast is called Create Your Own Life. Good stuff. You guys have heard it now firsthand from Jeremy himself. It's time now to go put it to use. Let's all go live on purpose. Did you get what you came for? Give yourself the gift of taking real action on what you realized today. Please share this episode with someone you know would value it. And leave us a rating too. It's time now to live on purpose.